Welcome, everyone, to Simply Living Wellness, where you'll learn how to love yourself, heal yourself, and how to nurture your mind, body, and spirit. So today, we're here to talk with Tammy McVeigh about her inspiring healing story from breast cancer using natural methods. She's here to talk to us today about exactly what she did to heal herself from the cancer and completely clear it out of her body. Tammy began with the traditional medical treatments and quickly turned to alternative methods once discovering Gerson therapy, which we're going to hear about today. But before we bring on Tammy, I wanted to just let you know that today's episode is sponsored by healthandyoga.com which is a complete yoga resource website that has just about everything you ever wanted to know about yoga. You'll find yoga communities, courses, trainings in your area, very cool and unique wellness products, and my very favorite area of this site is the retreats page where you'll find amazing retreats and workshops offered all over the world. So just visit healthandyoga.com, and when doing your checkout, use the discount code DAWN3958 for a 5% discount on any purchase. Once again, that's healthandyoga.com, and the discount code is DAWN3958. So now moving on to our guest speaker today, Tammy McVeigh is a mother of one daughter, lives in Northern California. She received her health coaching certificate from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. Tammy is also a certified Gerson Home Setup Trainer, meaning she will go into the homes of new Gerson clients and help them get set up for the rigorous protocol they're about to embark. And we're going to hear about that protocol today. She is a living and breathing advocate, meaning she practices what she teaches for mindfulness and whole body wellness and alternative health care. So Tammy, welcome to the show. Hi Donna, it's great to be here. So nice to have you here and thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to share this story with our audience. So why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your background, about yourself, and before we get into the actual diagnosis and healing story. So a little bit about myself. Um, I've always been interested in alternative healing methods and eating well. I was a vegetarian. Now I'm vegan. I, I went vegan after I got done with Gerson therapy. I was vegetarian before that. Um, and on Gerson therapy, I had uh, non-fat yogurt as part of the therapy. After I went off Gerson therapy and was just on the maintenance, I decided I'd, I'd cleaned up everything else. So why not throw that out and just go vegan? Okay. Um, yeah. I have a daughter. She's um, 17 and a half now. She was 12 when I was diagnosed, just going into the sixth grade, just the week before school started, I was diagnosed. I see. And, yeah. So, okay. So I was diagnosed. Yeah. My daughter was uh, in the sixth grade. I think she was 12 then. So I was working at Ben Franklin, which was a fabulous job. Um, I'm an arts and crafts person. So that was, that was great. And they're a family owned business and they were fabulous um, to work with me while I was going through my healing process because I eventually had to quit my job and do Gerson therapy full-time. Yes. Well, nice to hear they were supportive. It was, yeah, they were fabulous. So you're already were a health and wellness advocate. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So then you were diagnosed and that was in August, 2012. Mm -hmm. So that's six years ago. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I, I just went for my, 
regular mammogram and typically you get the letter that says yay everything's great and see you next year and I got a phone call that said you need to come back and they wanted to do an ultrasound and so you know as soon as I got that letter or the phone call that said come back I kicked it into high gear I got an, a package of post-it notes and I went through the house and I wrote on a post-it note I am now um, in perfect health and I put a post-it note everywhere that I could see so when I walk down the hall when I look in the mirror when I'm standing in the kitchen when I was doing laundry every every room in the house I just was putting those post-it notes everywhere just trying to change my vibration and my mental attitude towards the whole thing hmm. in fact there's still some of them up around the house because I kind of got superstitious about it and I didn't want to take them off I didn't want to be you know pretentious <laughs> so so there's still a few of them up but every once in a while I'll walk by and pick one up off the floor and go okay I guess I'm done with that you must have had a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot yeah they were everywhere I just needed to be reminded so I did that I had the biopsy and they told me right then and there uh, they didn't mince words the radiologist came out and pointed to the biopsy on the, the image on the screen and said yep that's cancer and that's how I found out that mm. was a little harsh and they they didn't give you a stage though did you say or you know well at that anyone. at that point they didn't they saw three tumors and basically just it, it happened so quickly they did the ultrasound they saw something they then they said they wanted to do a biopsy and it just it happened quickly I, I it all happened within hours I what I what I probably could have done that would have been better for me was to say, okay, thank you for this information. I'm going to go home and process it and then come back and decide whether or not I wanted a biopsy um, and done a little bit of research. My question to them at the time was, is it didn't make sense to me to go in and put an, uh, you know, their instrument, their needle probing device into my breast, pinch off a piece of the tumor that they were suspecting was camer, can cancer, and drag it back through that open wound that they just created. Yes. It, it seemed like they were, you know, that was kind of like dragging a, a dirty mop, you know, across a clean floor. So I got, of course, lots of statistics fed to me about how that was okay and fine. Um, and I ended up having a biopsy right then and there. And so they didn't tell me a stage at that point. Um, they. They sent me to the, you know, they, they did the biopsy and I waited on pins and needles to get that information back. Meanwhile, while I'm waiting for all that information, like I said earlier, I kicked it into high gear and did whatever I could on my end to help. I started juicing more. I, um, I got healing mantras that I did and meditated more and just, you know, I, I, I started cashing in every coupon that I could think of. So you put post-its all around, you started meditating more, did you change your diet at all at this point? I mean, you already eat healthy, so there was right. not much to change. Well, you know, um, I did instantly quit any sugar. You, you know, every magazine and everywhere you go, you see that cancer and sugar are best friends. So I stopped any kind of sugar, whatever it was, which was a very interesting 
thing because every appointment I went to, every oncologist appointment, I, I went to a couple of them, every breast cancer surgeon I, I went to because I, I searched around for a breast cancer surgeon, but every doctor's office I went to had a big bowl of candy there. It was very interesting to me. And my oncologist office, they were selling candy bars to help raise funds to help buy gas for their patients to come to their, make their chemo appointments. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So I did, I did stop sugar and I bumped up my juicing some more. I did do that right away. Mm-hmm. Now, were you doing fruit? Cause some, there's a lot of talk about fruit sugar also. Yeah. I, I still ate fruit. I still do. Yeah. Maybe in moderation or... Right, yeah, probably, right, because it was summertime and and that's always the best time for fruit. So I still ate fruit, but just, you know, no honey. I I don't use white sugar a lot, but, you know, there's... Being vegetarian, you know, cookies are still vegetarian. <laughs> so, you know, little things like that. Any, any, Anywhere I could, I quit. You know, I ate less processed food and more fresh like I said, it was summertime, so that was fabulous. I just bumped up my vegetable intake for sure. Excellent. So then they kept contacting you at that point, right, for chemo or, or no, maxectomy came first? Yes. Yeah. So I had to meet with the oncologist and he gave me my, you know, prognosis and diagnosis and the cancer that I had. Only 15% of the women get lobular, lobular ductal invasive carcinoma, I guess. It seems like something that would be very important to remember, but it didn't matter to me what kind of cancer I had because it wasn't going to change how I thought about it. It's already scary enough. So I know that seems kind of crazy, but the kind I had only 15% of the women get. And he told me, you know, chemotherapy and mastectomy and radiation and tamoxifen and all those things. And then I went around and I interviewed breast cancer surgeons and that took a little while. I didn't find one that I jived with until probably late October. Okay. Because then we ended up, we scheduled the mastectomy for right after Thanksgiving. And I I would highly recommend interviewing, you know, I I think I saw five different breast cancer surgeons before I found one that I trusted Mm -hmm. and liked her energy. I ended up having an all woman staff, you know, a posse, my healing posse that I put together. I ended (laughs) up with a woman oncologist and a woman uh, breast cancer surgeon and a radiation doctor. It ended up being being all women, actually, and that was just happenstance. That was just how it went. Well, tell us a little bit about the surgery experience and, and what you did to prepare for it. And, and I know with the radiation treatments that came later, you you did a lot just even in the surgery room. Didn't you bring a vision board? Or I did. I did. The night before my surgery, I was scheduled for surgery at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then the night before I got a phone call that they were going to bump me to seven o'clock in the morning, which I felt the universe was on my side because I wanted to be the first patient. I wanted my doctor to be in the best space. I wanted to be her first one. Let's start the day. And of course I was very anxious about it all. So I was up very late. The first thing I did was I did a body casting. I got a body casting kit. It's actually like a belly casting kit that pregnant women can use. And I did a a body casting of my whole right side. My mastectomy was on the right. And so I wanted to honor the breast that was leaving. The whole time, as soon as I was diagnosed, I that was a big thing for me is I felt like I let my body down and I didn't want 
and this might sound kooky, but I didn't want my breast to feel like I held any ill will. It served its purpose. I breastfed my daughter, you know, it, it served its purpose and I didn't want to have any ill will. So I did a body casting just to kind of commemorate what was leaving. Mm -hmm. And then of course I was anxious and I, I couldn't sleep at all. And so I did a vision board just on a little eight by 10 piece of mat board. I did a vision board that showed what my expectations were at the end of the surgery, feel healthy and whole and little images and words, love, all these things on this board. And I brought it with me to the hospital. And I was able to bring my iPod and that had music on it. And um, that's another thing I did. I had a, a recording, how to have a successful surgery kind of meditation and envision that and then how to have a successful post healing. So I had that on my iPod and I got to listen to that. I assume I listened to that while I was in surgery. And when I got out of the room, out of recovery in my room, I had my vision board set up there. And it was wonderful to see every nurse and all the doctors and everybody that came in to check on me. You know, they all have their things and they've got their tasks and they're going to go and check all their patients and they have to make the rounds. But I could watch them come in and that's the only thing in the room was me and my vision board and my husband. And to watch them totally ground themselves and drop into their hearts when they walked in and could see my vision board. It was pretty wonderful, actually. I just wanted to, and I, I needed them to be fully present. I needed them to see me as me. And I kind of went through this whole thing enlisting healing energy from people. And I don't think they even realized that they were giving it to me, but it was fabulous. They kept trying to give me pain pills, pain pills, pain pills. And I kept saying, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need that much. I don't want that. I don't, I don't, it's okay. And so and they were very adamant about it. I, I felt like they heard me and they cut my pain meds in half and said, okay, go ahead and go with half of them. And if you have any issues, call us and we'll, we'll go ahead and give you more. That was fabulous. Those are the kinds of things that I tried to employ throughout the whole healing process. That's There's awesome. so much more to healing than what the doctor ordered. Exactly. So it was, you know, we think of a vision board for ourselves to help our own mindset and intentions, but here you were stopping them in their tracks and mainly probably because it's something they've never seen before. And, and like you said, there's nothing else in that room. So it just kind of made them think a minute and then they would see what was on it and literally just drop what other baggage they might've brought into that room. So what a brilliant idea. I love that. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was. I, I mean, I could see it working. So that was really <laughs> helpful. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So so tell us then about your discovery of Thurston Care and how that happened. Yeah, I had the mastectomy in November. And of course, they kept telling me chemo, chemo, chemo. And they started getting pretty adamant about it. And so I just, oh, okay, fine. So they, they, they scheduled it. And that was in February. I was scheduled to go in like, like February 7th or something like that. And my birthday is Valentine's Day. So it was a week before that. I was scheduled to have the chemo and I had to call. So I finally got Gerson therapy through a series of crazy serendipitous events. And I had been to a, a Hay House, I Can Do It conference, a two-day conference in, in San Jose in March of this same year. 
And a woman by the name of Chris Carr, who wrote the book called Crazy Sexy Cancer, was a speaker. And so I'm at the conference center in San Jose. She's speaking. And it was like everybody in the room disappeared. And she was speaking to me. And my hands got sweaty. And my heart started pounding. And I just thought maybe it was like, oh, I've been in Grass Valley so long. All these people, this energy is just too much for me. And just kind of dismissed it. And then went home and came back the next day or went to my sister's in Fremont and came back the next day. And she was the closing speaker. And the same thing happened again when she spoke. Interesting. It, yeah. And so I started to follow her and she's heavy into juicing. And like I said, the book she was promoting at the time was called Crazy Sexy Cancer. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know what that's about. So I started to follow her. And then I end up being diagnosed and I'm still getting her newsletters and following her blog. And on her blog, she interviews this woman. Her name is Jessica Ainsco. She has since passed away, but she was doing Gerson therapy. And so I, well, isn't that interesting? So of course I follow, go down the rabbit hole and I follow, I go to her blog and the page that I landed on was a day in the life of a Gerson person. And she listed everything. Her whole day started at 5.30 in the morning and ends at 10 o'clock at night. And she just went through the whole thing. As soon as I read it, I knew it was for me. It just totally resonated. I was like, yes, ding, ding, win a prize. This is what I'm doing. I found it. So I went to the Gerson Institute website, studied a little bit more, found the name of a Gerson practitioner, called him, he answered, and he gave me the rundown. This is really an intense therapy. It's really a lot of work. Do you have help? Are you going to, you know, it kind of warned me ahead of time. And I made arrangements for the next week to jump in the car and go and meet with him. And, and so I had my initial consult with him um, on my birthday, actually, Valentine's Day. But then I had to make that big phone call and call my oncologist and tell her, guess what? Changing plans. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not doing that. How did that go? It was okay. It was very interesting. She was very polite about it all. When I said, okay, I found something else I'm going to do. I need to cancel and I'm not going to do chemo. And she said to me, okay, well, you know, there's another test you could do. And that was a, a bit confusing to me. Another test. Here I am seven days away from having to go do chemotherapy. And now they're telling me there's another test. I've already had a mastectomy. I, I don't know. You, and you've already given me a prescription of chemo. Two yeah. oncologists gave me the same one. So then she says, there's another test. And I said, what do you mean there's another test? I thought we were done with that. And she said, well, because you're over 50, we don't offer this test. But because you're refusing chemo, we can. And that was, that was wild to me. And so that, tell us the results of this test. This yeah. test would show basically whether you should do chemo or not. It shows the percentages, right? Yes, it did. It was going to show the statistics of the chemo that they were prescribing and how it would actually work on the cancer that I had. And so evidently my, my um, breast tissue was in a freezer somewhere and they were actually, they were able to take samples of that and run it through this test called the mammoprint. And she told me it was going to be very expensive and insurance didn't usually pay for it. And at that point in time, I'm like, well, I don't, okay, I don't care. Money is no object at this point. I can either die rich or live poor, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So she went ahead. I said, do it. And they did it. And it took a long time to get the results. And when the results came back, the way she said it was, is I had a 10% chance of recurrence without chemo. So I, I, I read that back to her. I said, so what you're saying is, is I have a 90% chance of survival without chemo. And she said, yes. I was like, oh my goodness. The, the statistics that they had given me before was with chemo, I would have a 27% chance of recurrence. So my wow. odds of recurrence went down without chemo. 
And so at that moment, she says, I'm no longer prescribing chemotherapy for you. And at that point of the conversation, by the time these test results came back, I would have been completely done with my chemotherapy treatments. And increased your odds for getting reoccurrence. And increased my odds for recurrence. And also increased my odds for everything else. Just because it's so harsh. Putting poison in your body. Yeah. Wow. So tell us about radiation then. That was another decision you had to... Yeah, radiation was... um, that was really hard. That was very hard. At one point after my mastectomy and they do pathology again, I had to go sit with the oncologist and there was something about it in there. I knew I had three tumors. And so they talked about those three tumors and there was some other little blurb about something else, some other cancer cells. And my question was, is, what is that? What, what, what does that mean? She goes, oh, that's not, not, don't worry about that. Those are probably just some cells that escaped during surgery. <laughs> And, and so that was in my mind, some cells that escaped during surgery. Well, that doesn't sound very good. That, I didn't like the sound of that. Now, meanwhile, my mastectomy was in November, and I've got my breast cancer surgeon is calling me often to tell me, have you done radiation? Have you done radiation? Are you, are you signed up for radiation? Do you have your, you know, she kept asking me about this. And finally, she said, and these are her words. She said to my breast cancer surgeon, said to me, are you ready to do the radiation? You don't want that shit getting all up in your neck because um, when I went to go interview her, she had asked me if they had checked my armpits to check my lymph nodes. And I said, well, nobody up here had done that. So she sent me downstairs. They looked and they saw a tumor in my armpit. And so then they ended up, they did a biopsy. Yeah. Oh, so you had it more than just in the breast. Yes. And you discovered that that was basically the end of February? I discovered that um, before my mastectomy. I interviewed five different breast cancer surgeons. None of them asked about my armpit. Wow. This one that I went to, she did. And that's why you chose her in the end? Because that was her gig. That was her thing was breast cancer surgery. That's what she did. Some of the surgeons I interviewed, one, one surgeon here in town that I interviewed, when um, I asked him, I, I, you know, after I saw a couple of them, you start to form your questions. And, and I asked him, so how many breast cancer surgeries have you done? And he said, I've done a ton. And I said, well, that's not really the answer that I'm looking for, a ton. I don't know what that means. I, I don't know what a ton of breast cancer surgeries is. And so that didn't feel very good. But she could give me a number, and that was her gig. That's what she did. And so, yes, I was impressed. And so at that point, I guess it would probably change to stage two. But because of that, that's why she kept hounding me and said, you don't want that shit getting all up in your neck. So between her saying that and then the oncologist telling me, oh, yeah, those are probably some cancer cells that just got loose. Don't worry about that. I worried. And so I had to sit on that for a long time. And I kind of decided to do radiation and Gerson kind of all happened at the same time. And I didn't know enough about Gerson therapy to um, influence my decision at that point. And so I went ahead with the radiation. And, And as crazy as it sounds, my theory on doing radiation was Radiation is a naturally occurring thing. It does happen in nature. And so I decided of all of these treatments that they were offering me, radiation, at least I I believe that the cells in my body 
had the intelligence to know how to deal with radiation because we deal with it on a regular basis every day. And if I, if I could support my body and my cells with the absolute utmost nutrition and all of the information that they needed to deal with the radiation, then, then maybe it would be okay. And I sat on that for a long time before I made that decision and I felt like I could do it because I kept hearing that doctor saying, you don't want that shit all up in your neck and oh, that's just a few cells that got loose. So I felt like I was going to have to do radiation to clean up the mess and then do the Gerson therapy to keep it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. From all of it, Mm -hmm. from the cancer and the radiation. Right. Right. Did you stop radiation when the treatment was over the treatment plan or, or did you cut it short or tell? No, I, I did, um, 30 days of radiation and then I had to wait six weeks to, to start Gerson therapy. And when I, to, to, for radiation, I had to go and get um, fitted for a mold because you have to be in exactly the same spot every single time. They did little tattoos to mark little tiny pinpoint um, tattoos so they could line up their grid and everything all in the same space. And when I went to get my mold made, they send you in one room and tell you to put on a blue gown. So I did that. I put on my blue gown and then I came out the other side into the waiting room and there was it was a waiting room full of people, men and women, young and old, all waiting to, you know, for the same reason I was there for radiation fittings. And I felt like at that moment in time, I walked in and looked around the room and there was all these people and they're all wearing blue gowns. And I said to one really sweet older gentleman, I said, well, no girl likes to walk into the dance and see everybody wearing the same dress they are, including the men. <laughs> and he just laughed. And, and it was at that moment that I decided that I'm not going to wear this blue gown. You, you were just a number in the blue <clears throat> gown versus yourself. I, was, I didn't want to just be another blue gown. Exactly. So I decided at that moment, I got fitted and I went home and I called uh, the radiation center where I was going to have radiation done. I said, Hey, is it okay if I make my own gown? Can I bring my own gown? And they said, sure. Okay. So I went to the fabric store and I got some really crazy, wild, really bright fabric. And I made my own hospital gown and I wore it every day for 30 days. I would come home and wash it. And then I had, um, a special essential oil that I would put on it just to clear energy and clear radiation from it and set my intention with the gown and I wore my gown and I was the first person of the day, which I always feel is really important. I just wanted to be the first person when they're bright and shiny and full of energy and on their game. And I I wanted to be that person that they saw, not just another blue gown. Because of course you go for radiation treatments and they ask you to put on a blue gown. I made one and, and, and I felt like they saw me. I needed them to to see me for me. And again, I was able to enlist energy from them that I don't even realize. I I don't know if they even realized they were giving it to me, but they saw me and they, I felt like they were paying attention. I, I, this was really important and I really needed them to focus their energy in a really good way when they were administering radiation to me. So powerful, Tammy. I love that story. I just love that. And it keeps going. We'll hear more. So let's get into Gerson therapy and why you waited until June 11th promptly started. It's quite an undertaking. Yeah. So I did my 30 days of radiation and I was juicing just 
just juicing. And, and I, I immediately went and saw my naturopath and she got me on a program to help me um, deal with radiation. Uh, I took special supplements and I bumped up my juicing and I healed beautifully. They were kind of blown away by the healing that I did from the radiation. I got red and I got sore. I didn't get tired. I didn't get horrible blisters. It was not horrible for me at all. And they were kind of blown away by how well I healed from it. Um, so that just from going to my naturopath, I felt like doing things to deal with the radiation right from the start. And then I had to wait six weeks. So I kept doing that. And then I could start Gerson therapy. And my daughter's last day of school was June 10th. And so I started on June 11th. So I could totally focus all of my energy on Gerson therapy. And it's a good thing I did. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, tell us a little, just briefly about the protocol. So Gerson therapy is mainly juicing and food. It's kind of, it's all uh, metabolic, really. Um, at the peak of my Gerson therapy, I was doing 15 juices a day, five coffee enemas, and then the food you, you cook low and slow. So you cook it at a low temperature for a long time um, to maintain as much of the nutrients and enzymes as possible, but to... Um, allow your body to not spend as much energy digesting it so that you can spend your your energy healing and and basically you're detoxifying so for every three juices you do a coffee enema and at the peak i was doing 15 juices typically you only do 13 but for some reason my gerson practitioner could see that i was an overachiever and said hey let's add two more so what the heck well you're doing 13 what's two more <laughs> so that's that's what I did. So the coffee enema, you said it's clearing the, the toxins from the cold. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're juicing so much. I mean, that you're moving toxins out quickly and you don't want to recycle them. So you do a coffee enema to pull the toxins out. The coffee going in from that end, it helps activate the um, like your gallbladder and um, all of that, the bile and all of that. And it goes through your system. Well, you hold the coffee for 15 minutes and you don't want to hold it any longer, 12 to 15 minutes, because in 15 minutes it's gone through and done its thing and now it's pulled the toxins. Okay. Okay. Nice. So, um, a lot of juicing. It's interesting you talk about the cooking the food slow and, and having it cooked. I've, I've heard that before. I know Chinese medicine, they really promote eating cooked food and not raw food because it does... It, expend a lot of energy to mm -hmm. digest the food but yet juices are raw but they're different is that right because it's just the juice portion yes no fiber mm -hmm. yes and your cells are able to act, act access the nutrients within you know minutes so you recommend juicing just to a healthy person or you know an, an yes. average person that's not mm -hmm. dealing with a chronic disease oh yeah yeah, I feel like the juicing was the magic. I I took supplements. I had to give myself vitamin B12 um, and crude liver extract injections every other day on Gerson therapy and um, and then 15 juices, lots of different supplements um, that you take. And then I got lab work done every month. My um, wonderful naturopath. I, I, I really was able to put together a fabulous healing posse. The universe just worked out for me. So my naturopath um, would order lab work for me. And so I would go here in town, get the labs done, and then they would forward them on to my Gerson practitioner in Oregon. And once a month, we would meet over Zoom 
and we would go over my lab results and we would tweak my protocol based on my labs. Um, so um, I would highly recommend anybody that is going to do whatever your alternative healing thing is um, to work with somebody that's an expert in it because I had 14, I think 14 different protocols in two years based on my labs. So we were able to tweak it right for me, not just in general. Um, you know, I didn't, and there's a book called Healing the Gerson Way. Many people just do Gerson therapy just based on that book. But the knowledge base that I was able to access through my Gerson practitioner, having worked with many other Gerson clients, and he also, my Gerson practitioner, helped revamp and revise and uh, rework the training program for more Gerson practitioners through the Gerson Institute. So then I also had access to all those other doctors and they were oncologists and chiropractors and naturopaths and functional medicine doctors and regular MDs that were all learning Gerson therapy. And so I was able to have access to all of that knowledge as well. It's nice to hear those traditional doctors learning Gerson therapy. Yes, yes. And, it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, if somebody's trying to find a practitioner, they, they can just start with the Gerson Therapy website. And from there, I think you said there are a lot more practitioners now Yes. in the U.S. that can assist them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just go to the Gerson website. It's um, gerson.org. And then, you know, you, you submit your paperwork to the Gerson Institute in San Diego, and then um, you can pick a practitioner, they'll hook you up with one or give you a list and you can choose one. You don't have to go see them anymore. You, you just send your blood work and your medical records to whatever practitioner you, you choose. And then it's beautiful because then you're just doing it all via Zoom. So you don't have to leave. You don't have to go anywhere because sometimes people are really, really sick and they don't have the energy and traveling is just makes it worse. Yes. Yes. So it was your Gerson therapy practitioner that actually order the supplements as well not the naturopath it was all tailored to my lab work i ordered the supplements they give you know i he gave me a list of places that i could order them and i i would order them myself um i had to get a prescription i took thyroid and he worked with the um uh a nurse practitioner and i I, w I did go see her when i was in medford to get a prescription for the b12 injections and the uh thyroid um, but everything else I was given links and information to and I ordered the supplements myself and then we would bump them up or reduce them based on my labs. So what, what was the signal that your Gerson therapy practitioner used to consider you done with the protocol? Well, the protocol is typically two years. Um, and so I did it for two years. I still would see all of my other doctors every six months as needed. I had that information as well. And they were, my oncologist was fabulous. Once I told her what I was doing and I would still go see her, which was another beautiful thing is I got to be an educator to an oncologist and the radiation oncologist and a breast cancer surgeon and a plastic surgeon. I would bring my protocol and my labs with me to every appointment. And they would look at me and say, God, you look great. What are you doing? Oh, I'm still doing Gerson therapy. Oh, okay. Well, keep doing what you're doing. Able to just kind of just share that in a very easy way for them. They could, they could relate to lab work 
that was their language. And so it was beautiful that every time I saw them, I had, I would bring my most current set of labs with me. And so that was very helpful. And along with my protocol, because they always want to know all of the supplements or medications that you're taking in my protocol had that all listed. So here's my protocol. You can see what's happening. So that was, um, I felt like I got to be an, an ambassador for alternative healing. Mm -hmm. That's satisfying. That's, it's, that's why I do this podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all that and your vulnerability. Let's just finish with the best news of all. And that's your five-year checkup you had. Also, I want to just hear a little bit more about the way you used intention and, and just looking at the bright mm. side of things and joy how you just would find joy in everything, even when you were on this really strict diet that really was not a lot of fun. Yeah. Not very yeah. creative eating. Right. Two years, same thing for two years. So I reached my two-year point on Gerson therapy and my Gerson doctor. I couldn't do an MRI because I still have my um, expander that has a metal port in it. So I couldn't do that because I'm choosing not to do reconstruction. And I chose that mid-process. Mm -hmm. So I had to do, and I didn't want to do a PET scan because I just, I felt like I spent two years getting clean. I didn't want to, I just didn't want to do a PET scan. And so I ended up doing a, I think it was a CT scan is what, what they did. And that came back fine. That came back great. And he wasn't going to cut me loose until I had that done. So I did that. And that was at my two-year mark on Gerson therapy. And then in January of this year, I had to go for my five-year checkup with my oncologist and do blood work. And when I got the test results back, of course, she knows I'm always on pins and needles for that. You flunk one test, you get nervous for every one of them after that. She always puts in the subject line because I get it emailed through my, you know, health online. The subject line was perfect results. And so that puts me at ease right away. But she did say that my labs looked perfect. They couldn't be more perfect. She said everything was great. So that was pretty fabulous to hear that in January. Excellent. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful story. So tell us about the the joy in, in juicing and yeah. <laughs> how you were able right. to joy into it. Right. So I was making, at, at, like I said, at the peak, 15 juices a day. I was going through 70 pounds of carrots a week just because I would have carrot juice and carrot apple juice. And then the green juice is red leaf, romaine, green leaf, green pepper, red cabbage, a green apple, and escarole are all in a green juice. And so I, that's a lot of vegetables. I, I've spent a lot of time washing produce and, and then preparing it to eat. And I'd have a bowl of oatmeal every morning for breakfast, a baked potato at lunch, a big salad at lunch. And, you know, it was the same thing for lunch and dinner. And that could be kind of boring. And um, I had to change. I, I had to look at it from a different point of view. I, I couldn't just let my taste buds decide. You know, I couldn't let them tell me that this was yucky and this is no fun and I don't want to eat oatmeal again. I just, I had to get over it. And so I, I found other ways. I, 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 I do believe the energy that you put into things goes right back into your body. And I didn't want to drink resentful juice. So I actually had a couple um, vision boards around and I had a little thing pasted above the cupboard that reminded me that, you know, food is medicine and why I was doing this. And then I love um, handmade things. And I would, I, I ate almost every meal out of a bowl, but every morning when I'd have my oatmeal, I always used a beautiful handmade um, pottery uh, bowl. I bought special spoons that had been decorated by somebody. I got it at the farmer's market and the handles had been um, decorated with really pretty designs from polymer clay. I made napkins and placemats 
just bright colors and different. I just kind of my theory was I had to think outside the bowl. I couldn't just, I wanted to focus on the food as, as a healing element, not a taste bud pleasure element because that would get old and I didn't want to be resentful of the food that I was eating because that's, that's what was healing me was the food that I was eating. eating. Exactly. And that's, that's a big deal. I, I know the Ayurveda principle teaches that as well to put love into your cooking. And if you're rushed and you're stressed because you're short of time and you have to put dinner on the table for your family and that kind of energy goes into the cooking, into the food, that you will pass that energy on to your family. So very important that you have showed gratitude for that food and by, you know, presenting it in a beautiful bowl, handmade, even though it was the same old oatmeal day right. after day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank I, you I, for sharing that because that is just so powerful. And I, I don't think a lot of people are even aware of that to be yeah. honest. I put bird feeders out the kitchen window and I put a bird feeder out that I could see out the window in the, um, breakfast nook so that because I was in the house a lot I was I was starting my day at 5 30 and I would be done if I wasn't washing vegetables or making coffee or doing a coffee enema or juicing or something you know I was in the house a lot and I didn't I didn't want to be resentful that was the thing I just needed to find ways to change it up I, I learned more about the birds in my yard over the two years on Gerson therapy than I ever would have learned because I had the bird feeders out and I could see the changing of the seasons and the chickadees came and then they left and the robins came and then they left, you know, to, uh, to, to really be mindful of so much more. And, yeah. and it's interesting because there's, I mean, there's food channels and foodies and everything's food, food, food. So it was really, it was a, it was a mind you know, I, I had really, I had to really put some effort into it. You know, and a to, real self-growth opportunity, you know, I mean, just think of how much of a more stronger and more mindful person you are now because of that experience. So it's, it's seeing even a blessing in the whole experience. Yes. Yeah. So that's Yeah. Fabulous. It takes the blinders off. That's for sure. <laughs> Makes you appreciate life more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tammy. We are out of time. It was so lovely to hear your story. I know our listeners are going to benefit so much from it. For you putting that information out there for others to benefit from, I want to especially remind everyone of the MAMO print exam and to ask for it. it. It exists and women with breast cancer may not ever have the option to even get it. So Thank you for sharing that. And once again, Gerson.org is where anybody listening can get more information on this therapy. Find a practitioner local to you or maybe not local in Tammy's case. Do it remotely. Anything else you want to just share with the audience, Tammy, before we wrap it up? They want to get a hold of you maybe. I know you are a Gerson therapy home setup coach. Yes. Yeah. The, my Gerson doctor, um, he was impressed that I was able to manage it all by myself and thought that I'd be a good person to help others set up their homes because it's, it's a lot of work. <clears throat> it's a and, lot and of work it, when you're already feeling <clears throat> Right. And you have to be pretty strategic. Like I say, every step counts on Gerson therapy. Every step counts. So I became a home setup trainer. And um, while I don't have a, a website that's really functional at the moment, people can reach me via my email, which is Tammy at TammyHadley.com. 
And I'm Tammy spelled T-A-M-I. Well, thank you so much, all of our listeners. You can also read the show notes at simplylivingwellness.com. And all of the links and information will be summarized there as well.